Mount away. Mount still goes. Better than most. Better than most. Critical takeoff. He falls into the pit. He's going to get spat out. Please make welcome the Ball and All podcast, James Tiger Woods, Beric Eckerbarts, and the king of speaking in the third person, Steve Condor Condo Condon. Okay, welcome back to the House of Grouse, Condos, penthouse above the center point tower in Lennox Head. Uh, this is Monday's Experts, here with Derek Barnes, Archie Barnes, and the NFL game. Stephen, you're in Whistler now, are you? I've well, moved on, yes. I'm in Whistler now for a couple of days, and then off to, uh, off to New York. Uh, what have we got, another two days here, then then off to the uh, off to the big smoke. It's been good, but frigging cold. Cold, mate. I've seen a few parties going, Condo. Have you got your rave hat on yet, mate? Have you been in and amongst it? Uh, no, Condo does, no, I haven't been, no, <laughs> no, but, uh, but there, there was a lot of hungover people in our, in our joint this morning, um, they've, I think it's about five o'clock today, I think they've only actually just got out of bed, I think, uh, I think, uh, local, a few of the local boys have spent a lot of time in Whistler over the years, we all know, it, but we all know them very well, I think they organised a bit of a, bit of a, uh, bit of a shindig at a lot of the bars around here where they could all get into and three drinks and all sorts of stuff. So we were putting out SOS calls at about 3 a.m. this morning when it was snowing and about minus 20. We didn't know where anyone was. <laughs> oh, geez. So, Kondo, you're going on a ski trip and you've got to recommend a mountain. Are you recommending Whistler or Red Mountain? Uh, well, Barnsley, this is my fifth time to Whistler in 30 years. And I, I worked out the other day, I think the first time I was here was about 30 years ago when I was uh, in my early 20s. And Jesus changed a lot. No, I'd go to Red Mountain every day of the week. Yeah, right. Just it's uh, it's an amazing setup. It's it's just so it's so big and so commercialised now, and there's just people everywhere. Like skiing the last couple of days here, I would say it's sort of nearly borders on dangerous. Yeah, right. Um, it's. I think that the guy. In the, I don't know if these numbers are right, but the guy, in the, couple of people in the ski shop where we hide our gear, was with we 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 sort of came in and. I think Zach changed his board or something, and, and I said, oh, gee, it's pretty busy out there. And he goes, oh, this is quiet. And I said, oh, really? I said, how many people do you reckon are on the mountain? And he goes, oh, I reckon looking at the queues this morning, probably 8,000. And I said, that's a lot of people. Holy he goes, oh, oh, no, but get this. He goes, oh, over Christmas, he said, we get about, he said, they don't publish the numbers now to because it sort of pisses people off. But the mountain's so big now with, you know, the, just, there's just gondolas everywhere. He said, um, it, it, it has thirty to thirty-five thousand people on it. Wow! Holy shit! Like during during the peak periods, and I said, "Are you serious?" And he goes, "Yep." But when you walk around the village, for, and, what's like a line up for an average ride? You mean a lift? A lift, yeah. Oh, the, the, the actual weight isn't too bad because everything's high speed, and you know, like big, you know, decent gondolas. So they move the crowds really, really well. Like it's really set up for that. It's more the fact that. <laughs> Once they're on the mountain, there's just freaking people everywhere. Dead set. I reckon yesterday, while I was waiting on the edge of just getting off a, a chairlift right at the top for the boys and and uh, Maisie and, and and Jam, I reckon in the space of about two minutes, no exaggeration, just people taking off below me and just going. I counted a hundred people. Wow! I was just holy, holy fuck. So. 
like it, they handle they handle the crowd really really well, and obviously there's been so much infrastructure put into the joint since the 2010 Winter Olympics. But once you get down into the village, like if you want to go to a bar, go to a restaurant, even just to go and get a coffee, like you are you are lining up with like a lot of people, and it's apparently not busy. So I'd hate to see it busy. Yeah, all right, mate. Well, listen. Sounds like you're having a good one over there. We'll rip into it, eh? Uh, Monday's experts, rest in peace, Condo. You had one this week. Uh, Newtown great Ken Wilson. Yeah, Kenny Wilson, yeah. I mean, um, great left foot kicker, uh, you know, 70s, 80s, real Newtown stalwart. Um, long battle with cancer and, yeah, passed away. I think they uh, I think they, but they reckon there was close to 1,000 people, um, 500 or 1,000 people at, at the funeral last week. So, um, yeah, very... Highly admired, well respected, and uh, Newtown great. Yeah, well, mate. Um, around the grounds, mate. BBL. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it the other night, but Steve Smith back to back hundreds. He went one in Coffs Harbour, and then he's just come out and absolutely obliterated the Thunder the other night to get it back to another hundred. So, I think he'd had eighteen sixes in a week. That's how many he's hit. Oh, the guy's on fire. Um, <laughs> Like, Woody, you spoke about it, obviously, with the World Cup and him being left out. You were, I was just about you, to yeah. say that. What's your take watching him play there? Is it a different – I guess it's a different level of bowling, is it? Or Well, I just think Steve Smith's playing at a different level. He's He wasn't in the form he's in now back then. Yeah. He's, and, he, and maybe that snub has been the – Rocket um, up the ass. Well, maybe the thing he needed to change is technique, and he's been very outspoken on the fact that he's changed various aspects of what he's doing. He's not shuffling as much. He's changed his grip. And mate, whatever he's doing is working because he is unloading at the moment. Like yeah. they're not just big, they're not just sixes, they're big sixes. Yeah, he's just pinging them, eh? Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it's great signs for us going to India. Sick. Yeah. Um, what do you? What's your? What's your uh, thoughts on the surge? I'm a big fan personally. On you the, know the surge when they can. So you know you got your first four overs when you've got. Um, you can only have two fielders out. Yeah. And then Australia this year, they've brought in a new rule that you can use the power surge as a batting team whenever you like in the overs. After that, you get two overs of the same rules. Yeah. So they're only allowed two out. So it's been a really um, big thing, I suppose, in terms of teams trying to load up on runs late in the innings. But also the converse of that, it's a real wicket-taking opportunity. Well, it's a, yeah, it makes you you're spr- like you're spraying them, you're having big haymaker shots. Yeah, so anything can happen. So it can go both ways. Kondo, you, have you been able to watch much of it over there? Uh, no, I haven't been able to watch much of it, but I've been reading about it. But um, I've watched a fair bit of the highlights, but not live. But um, I tell you, I mean, he's he, obviously going to go down as one of the, one of our uh, greatest bats in both, well, in all forms. But have you have you seen anyone in better form? Like it's just such unconventional sort of shop shop uh, making and just such clean hitting, excuse me. Yeah, it is. Oh, the only thing guy I can think of recently is that Surai Kumar Yadav from India, who's a 32-year-old bloke. He's similar. He's a bit older, but he's just found this rare form where they, these two guys are playing like they're playing video game in innings. Yeah. It's like you, Archie, my son, sitting on his video game and they're putting shots into the ground where you're going, how in the hell did he hit it there? And like and different angled shots, eh? The ones from the other night, he was doing ones over his back shoulder and yeah. far out, like – Almost tennis-style shots. Yeah. Well, I think Kondo, it's that we've spoken about it before on here, but, you know, he's, he's got to go a long way to going down as the our, our best Australian batsman probably since since Bradman. He's got to be right up there. You, you, yeah, like, and, I, and I think um, – sorry. No, sorry, no, you, you go. Um, you go, just, 
just on the BBL, uh, the, the one thing that's been noticeable, Barnsley, is, I mean, obviously they're tweaking the format. I know under the new uh, TV deal next week it gets tweaked again and slightly shortened, but it just shows the star power, doesn't it, when you get Smith and Warner and these guys back into the side that, that people will watch it. And, um, and there's been a really big rating surge in the last couple of weeks, especially with the format. Smith's been on and, and the fact that there's been real quality games with, with a, a real star factor. Yeah, definitely. And I think the great thing for fans at home is you get these guys mic'd up and you get to hear what they're actually saying out in the yeah, middle. That's and sick. And you know, you know, some of them are dead set cricket nuffies, so it's painful, but most of them have a you know, it's great to get that little bit insight, of better, yeah, into what they're thinking and seeing. And it's been great getting those guys back. And the funny thing in all this though is the Perth Scorchers don't really have any rock stars, but they're killing it. And they're gonna be so tough to beat. Come um, come finals time, but there's no real Australian out and out Australian players in their team. But they're the high level 2020 guys. Nah, but their team is just rock solid across the park. I can't see them getting beat. The only side you'd think might be able to do it is the Sixers, just on the back of Steve Smith and Onriks, who's playing really pretty good. well too. Um, but yeah, it, it shapes up as a good battle going into the finals. They've been pretty consistent over the last sort of three or four years anyway, haven't they? Well, Scorch is probably since day dot. Yeah. They've had a real good, you know, they speak about their culture over there. Playing in WA, it's near, the bigger, the closest thing I can think of it is like Queensland and Origin. They're, yeah. they're the most parochial supporters. Like, they love their own. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they're really supportive Because like, they won so. it last year, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what the funny thing is? They only played one game at home. Every other game was on the yeah, road due to COVID. The, yeah. They still won it. So you got to give them a fair shake again. So, anyway, enough on the BBL. Um, get around it. It's getting into finals time, end of this week. It'll all kick off. So, next two weeks it ramps up. Um, tennis. Sam Stozer retires. Steve-O, talk to us. You followed up on that? Yeah, well, she's – yeah, I, I think she's – I think what she stand for, stands for, um, great great ornament, I think, in the women's game. Um, you know, it, she seems like she's in a really happy place, so – I tip my hat to her. I think she's had a, you know, maybe she could have done a bit better with the talent that she has, but, you know, yeah. she's won Grand Slams and she's, uh, yeah, I love listening to her speak. I think she's, um, I think she's, uh, she should be very proud of the career she's had and she's achieved a lot and she looks like she's in a really happy place retiring. Yeah, I think she's universally loved across the tour, especially by the Australians. You hear every comment that's come out is just that she is one of the best people and, and maybe that's, you know, that's a great thing in your personality, but probably as one of those pointy end athletes, you got to yeah. have a bit of shit in you. And maybe that's if, you, if there's one criticism, maybe it's that. And geez, that's a that's me clutching at straws. But you know, she won a 2011 U.S. Open, beats Serena Williams in the final that's to right. do it, yep. and lost the French to Schiavone in 2010. So she broke a 31 year drought for a female Grand Slam winner in Australian history. So Sam Stoes, people can say what they want, but should say uh, anyone yeah. who can win a Grand Slam, especially in that era with um, Serena Williams. That's like at a peak too. Yeah. My question to you guys is still on tennis. Only one of the big four that's there, Djokovic. Have we lost a little bit? Kyrgios isn't playing this year. Have we lost a bit of, I don't know, shine off the Oz Open so far? Obviously, a yeah. bit of injuries stuff to Nadal. He went out early. Kyrgios's knees stuff. Like, mm. I don't know. Is it to me? I haven't even watched. I haven't watched the game. I've watched bits and pieces. Yeah, not a full game. Purely. Do you think it's though we're just at that stage now where the big three are always yeah. going to have to retire? They're similar ages, so yeah. they were always going to bow out probably together. Um, do you think it's just we've got to wait for this next batch of crew to start winning some majors for us to stand up and pay attention? For sure. 
Yeah. What, what about you, Steve? Oh, oh, I just think we've been extremely spoiled. We've just had, you know, probably once in a lifetime, I don't know, once in a hundred years of, you know, when you talk, you know, the, the, especially in the men's game, the talent that we've had, and then you take the Williams sisters out of the, the women's drawer, and it's just, I just think we've been, we've had, I don't know, best part of 15, 20 years of just um, unspoiled. Yeah, we've just been so spoiled with the amount of talent that rocks up on our TV set at any major and the quality of the games that you get um, has just been ridiculous. I'll tell you one interesting thing in the women's the women's side. I don't know if you guys are up to speed, but um, have you read the article that where Pam Shriver's been um, quoted in, uh, I think it's in the Herald today? No. Um, about the women's game and the and the influence of coaches on young females coming into the game and how she came out uh, recently about um, how she had a five year uh, relationship with her coach who was when she was like sort of in a ter- well late teens when she came onto the tour and she's sort of calling for the uh, for the for the tour to sort of really sort of clamp down on it. I'm not, I'm not what quite are you sure talking? how you clamp down uh, on that. Well, you're talking just, you're talking obviously sexual relationships with, you know, girls. Are we, yeah, is it underage? Yeah, right, yeah. Is, it, is it of age? Like, well, what are we talking? She sort, she sort of intimated that. Yeah. And then she gave sort of examples and she spoke about her, she spoke about her sort of first five years on tour and the trials and tribulations with that. And I think her coach at the time was oh, maybe in his 40s. Yeah, you, um, you are in a vulnerable she, position. Well, you think about it. Like you've been, time, yeah. you've been sort of, you wouldn't call it, you've been in a bubble your whole life. You've made to travel the world, often with people you've only just met. Yeah, look, I totally get it. Um, uh, that's so hard to. I think too, if they're the person that's helping you be successful and mm. getting you to be successful, they, they can have that bit of sway, that bit of pull. It's a, yeah, it's a, if you don't have good parents that have got a good bit of yeah. values and structure it can get can get weird for it sure it could get weird i suppose that's why a lot of parents do travel yeah because they've obviously have coached them or there's some form of protection there yeah. that you've got to want to have you around them especially in their early teens mid teens because mm. tennis i guess high level tennis players especially females they they kind of come onto the scene in their almost like 17 18 19 even younger they? i suppose yeah, yeah because they yeah they've oh, got maturely yeah mm. I mean, I don't think let's look at it across the board when you look at gymnastics and all these other sports. That yeah. This is not a, it's not a new yeah. thing. So I think it's, um, I think it just comes down to hopefully not everyone has great parents in that sort of thing, but hopefully you do have a role model or someone there to look out for your best interest. Yeah, not there. Because it's just sometimes not, and, and it's not, look at the music industry, look at Michael Jackson, yeah. look at all that sort of stuff. It's so hard. Yeah. So I think as parents, you just got such a tough job to try and, uh, I don't know, keep him out of harm's way. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, Condo, uh, NRL, mate, where are you on this whole pay dispute? Oh, look, I've spoken about it on each podcast the last couple of weeks, but it doesn't. I mean, the Players Association, Clint Newton, met with um, Abdo and the boys in at the NRL apparently Thursday, Friday. Um, obviously, we haven't seen any news that come, that's come out of that uh, over the weekend. Um, it would appear that the players are going to stand firm on this. It's not... It's not, and I think that the thing that, that needs to be sort of clear, well, not so much cleared up, but it's not so much about where the salary cap's going to. And Barnsley, you'd know all about this being a retired uh, international athlete. It's, it's about the conditions um, that they want put in, you know, into the uh, into the CBA. So, you know, I think I don't know. I think the NRL sort of clutching at straws when you've got Dean Ritchie writing an article in the Telegraph this morning 
talking about, oh, the game will go on and we'll, we'll bring 160 players in from um, from the US <laughs> Rugby League competition. That's like idiotic. Said. Is he kidding? Yeah. No, the, yeah, game, the game will... idiotic. That is yeah. shit journalism. Well, look, the players, if they feel it's, you know, necessary in order to strike, they're the ones that we're all paying to see. So they can <laughs> do that and it'll, it'll work out somewhat in their favour. It has to. Like, it really... You know, Especially but, if they all do it together. Exactly. They just can't – they can't have, you know, the – yeah. you've got to be all in if you're going to do it. Um, I think the big thing they want in too is just some protection post-career in terms of injury sort of stuff. 100%. Yeah, 100%. And they deserve and, and that. And why wouldn't you? They, no, they deserve that. That's the least the game can do is to give some of these guys um, a bit of a surety and protection going forward and especially not just the guys who've – made the big money. It's your guys who are your, you know, your middling first graders and your guy who carve out a career but still need employment post it to to prop their families up. I think, you know, those guys need some protection if they've busted themselves playing the game. On that, Barnsley, you know, it's probably changed slightly, but the average NRL career was 27, 27 first grade games. Yep. So I think it might be up to 40 you, you know, start. Yeah. yeah. You know better than anyone how much time, effort, you know, blood, sweat, tears goes into, um, you know, trying to carve out some sort of career. So there's not a lot of players that get 100, 150, 200, 300, you know, NRL games. So, you know, they've got to be looked after, especially because a lot of those careers are 20, let's call it 25 to 40 games are cut short because of injury, you know. So. Yeah, no, I think if that's one thing the games owes them is to, you know, get some protection and some assurity around post-career for sure. Um, get off the fence this week, fellas. Do we agree with the NRL and rugby stand-down policy in terms of players? So you've got KB, Kurtley Beal, obviously with that, what happened recently over the weekend, which is not good, um, and Amoni from the Dragons. Amoni. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm all for it. I don't know about you, Kondo. Are you not for it or something? Or No, I'm, no, I'm for it. I, I just think that they've got to have – you know, especially I think in the NRL with what we've seen in previous years, there's, there's just probably got to be compensation there for the club. It's not the club's fault that you get, you know, um, you know, misbehaviour at different levels, which means that, you know, they end up with, um, you know, offences that they've got to sort out in, you know, in the courts that might take 12 months and, and they're serious offences. So I think there's got to be some latitude there in the salary cap or the roster as far as your numbers of the players that you can have so that clubs aren't worth off. That would be my main point. I think that's a fair point. Yeah. yeah. What do you think on that? Like, yeah, I, I reckon for sure. Yeah, so you've got an opportunity to go out and get someone else. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that, mate. But, yeah, in terms of the players, though, once you once it becomes a part of criminal law and, and you've got criminal charges, that's it's completely taken out of the hands of the club. And you shouldn't – you know, footy's a privilege um, and you lose that privilege once that happens. So, And I know people can say, you know, but they should be um, innocent until proven guilty. I get that point too, but I think your mindset, especially if you're facing down potential jail time, should be on other things other than footy. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I reckon too. Yeah, and, and I think I think on that, Barnsley, there's enough money in the game, and it sort of comes back to this CBA agreement. Like I, I, I can't, I don't quite understand why the NRL is just not sitting down and sorting out the CBA agreement. Like I don't think the expectation of what the players want is onerous, and I think when you come to a stand down policy. I don't think that's onerous to have, you know, if their full-time squad's 30 and they take it to 32 or 35 or whatever, um, I think there's enough there's, there's enough money in the salary cap that you can have. You can have, you know, fringe guys from, say, player 30 to 35 that are on, you know, X amount, um, but they're still full-time to cover these types of situations. A little bit like what they're going to end up with uh, with the concussion rule, you know. So. Yeah, 
No, fair call. Uh, the NFL, lads, a few big games on the weekend. I know not every one of our listeners will be into it, but uh, this is getting to the pointy end of the season now. We're in the uh, divisional playoffs, so we've got a big game going on right now as we speak, Woody. Yeah, 40, 49ers, Cowboys. This is an old, I guess, 90s, <laughs> 80s rivalry, this one. This is huge. So 6-9 right now in the third quarter. About to be 9-all, I'd imagine. Yep. Uh, but big upsets, or not big upsets today, but Bengals beat the Bills. Bills. Yep. Bengals are probably the most informed team probably in the comp the last sort of over the last five games, last few regular season Peaking games. Peaking at the right time, you'd say. Yeah, they're all playing really well together. I don't think they've lost in the last seven games or something like that. So that was always going to be tough for Buffalo, but they were at their home ground. They just kind of melted. And then the Eagles smashed New York Giants yesterday. They looked real good. And the Chiefs just got up on um, – they just got up on Jacksonville. So – Hey, well done to Jacksonville and their coach, Doug Peterson. They've yeah. gone from the worst record in the league a season ago to going 9-8 and eight and winning a playoff game. I think they're the first team to ever do that. I reckon, yeah. Hats off to them. They, that young guy, the, guy, the quarterback, he's um, – Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. He's mm-hmm. going to be a gun. The, the league's in, good, in a good place with these new young guys in the last five years that have come out of the draft. There's a lot of good quarterbacks, a couple of really good running backs. Kondo, what's your take, mate, and who do you think is going to win it from the teams that are left? Uh, my take is I've watched all the NFL over the weekend and I'm still watching this 49ers Cowboys game. Is I think uh, yesterday's performance by um, by Kansas City and um, and Mahomes was you know he got decked early, ankle gone, went into the change room, came out, any stats in the second half where he could pretty much barely move were better than the first half before he got injured. That guy's got some ticker and geez, he's a good leader. So. Uh, I know they're, you know, they're missing a few quality guys um, in other positions that are sort of out, out for the rest of the season. I don't know if I can see them winning it, but they might get there. Yeah. I still like the 49ers. If Purdy can hold it together, I still think if they can get past the Cowboys today, I think the 49ers just across the park just look so strong. Yeah, and Kyle Shanahan's doing a great job. Their defense is wild. Like for them to just stop that, stop that then, mm. they stuffed up then on the kick return and they still got them out. For only a field goal. Yeah, it'll be a good finish to this one. Boys, pipeline. Pipe's been going off and the Eddie Cow is on today, Woody, is it? Or yeah, it's on, yeah, it's yeah. on right now. And um, it is pumping at wide Huge. Media. Some of the biggest waves. Like, it's very – so when you have the Eddie on, obviously you need a giant swell at Wymere. It's got to be huge. 20, 25 foot, which is like 50 to 60 foot faces, like double the back of the wave. Oh, Jesus. But – what the, the biggest thing for Eddie is, and it's only been on, the last time it was on was 2016. The swell, generally most swells come overnight or early part of the morning. So they, uh, we need the, um, they need the swell to peak throughout the day. So for them to peak throughout the day, Today it's supposed to be massive. The Sava. I don't. Have you been watching it, Steve? I haven't watched it in the last. Are you talking massive, Woody? Just I, give what idea. What what size are we talking? I was talking about as big as you can paddle into a wave. Fuck. Maybe a you know like I watch footage of jet skis. Seventy basically. foot faces, seventy five foot faces would be closing wow. the bay out. So it's a small bay, but it's super deep on the outside part of the bay. So it usually sort of rolls through. But now it'd be I, I, the last time I watched it an hour ago. It was looking giant. Kondo, you've been watching it, mate, and I suppose Pipeline as well with the Dahui contest. What was your take on it all? Yeah, no, I've been watching a fair bit of it today. It's definitely got bigger as the day's got on, gone on. Woody's 100% correct there. Oh, I just, again, we touched on it in, 
on last Friday. These guys are just lunatics. I mean, yeah. one of the Florence boys broke his broke his back at Jaws, I think, didn't he, Nathan? Yeah, is he still surfing? I think. Um, no, no, <laughs> he's got a broken back, but he's not surfing. But the rest of them, like the wave that John John got, the wave that Ross Clark Jones got, like yeah. they're just these guys are they're just next level. And and until they show like when the different angles that you get on the YouTube surfline coverage is you sort of see it rolling and you think, oh, they take off and you go, oh, yeah, that's pretty big. And then you see the side on one when they're down the face and you go, that's not pretty big. That is just fucking lunacy. Yeah. Like, it's so big. The drone angle, you can kind of get a little bit. The drone angle. The drone angle looking down, you're like, oh, it's not that big. And then then it gets down to like the either the front-on angle from the comp structure and you look at it you're like, that's a sky. That's like half mate, a skyscraper. It is dead set apartment buildings rolling <laughs> yeah. down. And mate, I watch a jet ski. It looked like a fucking pin go over the top yeah. of it. There's been some <laughs> closeouts there. So it, I, I, who's who's winning at the moment? Do you know, Steve? Is it is Ross Clark Jones? Uh, no, nah, well, no, nah, well, it's a, it's a, it's your best three waves. So they've got to they've got to surf a few heats. So it's sort of a bit hard to. Judge. It's sort of halfway Ross through. Was. Yeah, Mitch, uh, sorry, uh, Healy was up there. Um, did you see that way that Kai, Kai Lenny got lit up on no. when he was down the face? Like that guy, well, we know how good he is in any any uh, size way, but he was down the face, still standing up. He got through the first sort of explosion behind him, and then the second one, like Ted said, he looked like he was a one-cent coin. <laughs> like it, it just exploded on the back of him. Yeah, they're fu- and Crazy. They, they just go straight back out for another one. Some of those guys just get so lit up and because they're 45-minute heats and you only really have to get one or two scores within the heat, they just paddle straight back out after nearly drowning. How do you duck dive that shit? You How don't. do you get out? You get out past the channel. So you've got to go, go, go right up in the corner, yep. time between the set, jump in, it pulls you sort of halfway out. Generally, there's a ski or two sort of oh, sitting yeah. in the deeper water of the bay where they can kind of hide and get away from the big rolling sets. They generally pull you most of the way out. But inside the heat, you've got to – there's no skis back out. You know, like a WSL event? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they just paddle back out. Jesus. So if you're in oh. – just get your ass handed to you for 15 minutes. You've got to, you've got to sort of motor back out there. What size leg rope do you have? Have you got like a 40-foot rope? Generally, it? it's about it? five foot bigger than your, your board. Yeah. Or it can be maybe sometimes 10 foot bigger than your board. So if your board's 10 foot, you're looking at like a 20 or 30-foot leggy. Like they're Jesus. big leg ropes because you want it to sort of keep away from you yeah. when you fall. You don't want it too close where it's coming and – because they're heavy boards. They're 30 kilo boards. Yeah. And like you don't want to roll around underwater with that thing. That thing will kill you. Fuck. Yeah. Well, a lot. Woody, can I ask a question? Yeah. When you, when you look at these guys, like I know the younger guys like, you know, like Kyle Lanny and these guys are like in the – you know, they're in the prime of their career and they're super fit and all the rest of it. But when you look at, say, Ross Clark Jones, what what sort of fitness would he be doing leading into this event when you see like I know these guys are wired so differently mentally because they're just lunatics but what sort of well, t- tell our listeners what do you reckon the sort of training they'd I, be doing leading up to potentially doing an eddy? I don't know what Ross would do. I like someone like Ross, some of those older guys that have been doing it for 20 30 years at, at doing the eddy. I don't know what they do but they'd have I know Ross Clark Jones lives down uh past Bells at a place called Two Mile. He's down around the southern part of Victoria, which gets all the swell from the bottom of Australia. It's a, it's a wave down there that's a huge bommy. I'd say a lot of it is experience. So he just goes off the experiences he's had in those sort of waves. He's obviously outside his mind. He's a 
biggest lunatic ever. And he'd be probably either surfing throughout the last year, let's say, I don't know, 20, 30 times in huge waves. Maybe not as big as that, but close enough where you're on a big board in the elements. But I don't think Ross does. I, I don't think he's got a – I definitely don't think he's got a Kyle Lenny fitness routine. I think a few of those older yeah. guys, those older local Hawaiian guys, they just surf. They just got that much built-up history with it. Their lung capacity is probably outrageous too. And I think mentally when they're underwater in a really high-stress situation like that, they're so c- confident and comfortable yep. that they know how to relax really quick. If you're really fit but you don't know how to relax really quick and like accept the fact that you'll be underwater for 30 seconds – and you don't know where the surface is, and there might be another wave like there, or they've had that much experience, they're probably pretty comfortable with that. But it's a good point, that mate. Like it's so, Pete, you don't understand that with experience. You can and how be to conserve energy. We could take that. you to NASA, get you as fit as yep. like you can hold your breath for five minutes. But if you're like underwater and you're using exerting energy and you don't understand what's you know happening around you and you can't relax, it's fucking it's hard to stay under for long. No matter how fit you are, yeah, that's my fucking good point. You're fighting your fucking, you're fighting your head as well as your your physical side of stuff. Mm. Just to be still, just go with it, go with it, go with it. Because you could get, and then you start to go, well, where the fuck's the top? And then you get up, and you might not even get up, and there might be half a foot of foam there because there's so much energy in those yes. waves that you might not be able to get a proper breath, and you're so afraid that the next set because you've been under for twenty seconds, twenty second period. You're coming up as another twenty footer lands on you because your board hasn't moved no, you out of the impact zone. There's so much yeah. of that style. Like th- even talking about it, thinking about it right now it gives me like a higher heart rate. Because I, I to personally I've never experienced that. Because oh, I I, I'm, I understand what would happen and I don't want to I don't want to put myself in there. You know he's Billy not silly. Yeah. Hey boys, quick one, uh, Condo. I don't know if this is a balls deep or a balls up, but. Kelly Slater passes up a uh, an opportunity to play golf with um, Barack Obama last week. Is that right? Yeah, like I, I mean, I'm sure Kelly gets plenty of plenty of uh, serious invites. Sorry, invites from uh, high level uh, high level serious people, especially floating around the US. But I reckon if uh, if Mr. Obama calls and says, "I've got I've got you in my four ball somewhere in Hawaii, obviously Turtle Bay or somewhere," and Kelly says, "No, I'm going out to have a surface pipe." Geez, I don't know. I think I'd go and play golf. Maybe uh, maybe he didn't vote for him. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, I don't know, something maybe. like that. You he's never a know. hardcore Republican. Yeah, who knows? But mm. I think he's probably too – he's probably got – I reckon it'd be some, some, something he said that he disagrees what um, Obama's done. He's just like, no, nah, fuck it. Because he, I think he's been a, on the Ryder Cup. He's been a, like an outside coach. He, he's gone and sat on the team with the US team. Yeah, right. Jordan and – all the other good sports stars they bring in to sort of create a good vibe and Help mentor and, yeah. and stuff. Yep. So he's probably maybe even played around with him anyway, but yeah, mm. unique human. What was that story too about when Greg Norman, uh, Bill Clinton, wasn't it? That was a good story, that one, Connor. Do you remember that? With, Did he, um, didn't he break his leg? Yeah, well, well, he we passed up the yeah, opportunity. He didn't uh, want to do it. Then who'd he asked in order to – Did he, he called his – because he's good mates with um, George W. Bush, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, but remember, uh, remember, Clinton stayed down at uh, at Norman's joint and fell. I think he fell down the stairs. Yeah, and they had security there, there and everything, yeah. and he twisted his ankle or did something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As you do if you if you're just swanning it around with uh, with, uh, with Mr. Norman. 
<laughs> All right, boys. Uh, Condo, you've put it on there, mate. Balls deep. The quarter family. This is a pretty incredible family. Um, we've got golfers, tennis players. I think everyone is at a bloody an elite professional in some capacity. You want to run through it for us? Yeah, I just thought in light of just uh, watching Sebastian, which is the youngest of the three siblings. So you've got you got Peter Quarter who won an Australian Open. Yeah, it was like ninety three or ninety two or something. Yep, left hander. Yeah, he got to. He, he got to number two in the world. His wife, Regina, she got to number 26 in the world. Then you got Jessica and Nelly, who are both outstanding golfers. If you're, if you're into your golf, just go and watch Nelly quarter swing. Like Her swing is unbelievable. She's, num- she's the current number one in the world. Jessica's uh, been as low as 13. She's married to one of the uh, really good ice hockey players in the US. And then you got Sebastian, who's the youngest making his own way, and he's, I think he's into the quarters, isn't he, in the, in the Aussie Open. Like, yeah, crazy family. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. My, my, my question would be in the next week, go and have a bit of a go and have a bit of a look and a bit of a Google and see if you can come up with a, a lineage in a family that has that sort of sporting That's, um, a, good one. You know, That's a really good dream. one. Just off the top of my head now, the only one I could think of in Australia that was pretty impressive was uh, the Reddy family. You remember um, Rod Reddy? Yeah. Oh, son, yeah. Son, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Son yeah. Liam. Joel, Joel Reddy? Um, yeah, Joel Reddy, obviously in rugby league. Yeah, Liam Reddy was a W. He was a soccer keeper. Yeah. Um, and he um, played in all the Australian, um, what do you call What's the Australian soccer league called? Soccerers or A-League. A-League. Yeah. Uh, he might have had a soccerers cap, yeah. And his um, sister too, Bianca, played. Um, she played elite netball for years as well in the uh, the main netball league. So that's that's a fair uh, that's a fair crack of the solid. whip too. Yeah, solid. So, no, nah, good question, Condo. I reckon we look at that for uh, next week. Final word, lads. We got anything? I think we got a sweeping magpie in the house too. Quick Archie final. Barnes, you want to give us a squawk with Woody? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bit too shy. Condo, you got anything, mate? Uh, final word is uh, this week's ball bag dropped uh, the continuation of um, ball bag words of wisdom. So Woody's been on, Condo's been on, and this week I think uh, definitely one of our better podcasts. We've got uh, Dave Rastovich's uh, ball bag dropping on Wednesday, so that's a must listen. Yeah, the all-time goat. He's got the most listens of any podcast, Dave Rustovich. So fair play, Condo. All right, mate. Well, good luck on the trip to New York. Enjoy it. And I look forward to hearing those uh, Mad- stories from Madison Square Garden next week. Take care, Condo. Right, watch, the, watch the people on Whistler Mountain. See you, bros. See you, mate. Hooroo. See you, guys. We don't smoke here. We only set fire through the microphones. <laughs>